beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in Wednesday, every single week. For inspiration, how you can live free. Nubia and Francis Chronicles Abroad. What's going on, everybody? This is your hostess with the mostest, Miss Nubia. Is that what? Is that, that's what you're doing, hostess with the mostest? I'm just saying, you say beautiful people, you won't even let me use it half the time. Uh, anyway, and I'm Francis. We are your host of Chronicles Abroad, and today we have a wonderful show for you. We have Miss Deanna Taylor from the website Broke and Abroad. Welcome, Deanna. Hi. How are Hi. you? Good. How are you, Deanna? I'm doing great. Well, thank Good. you for being so, on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so you're in Korea. What brought you to Korea? Well, my life back in America was super busy. So I'm a licensed attorney in North Carolina, and I was also working as a personal trainer. And just between the two, you know, I was almost to the point of being burned out. Even before I came to South Korea, like, I love traveling. So I always said, like, I want to live abroad before I officially settle down, have children. The easiest and uh, best way to kind of make income and still be able to travel for me personally was to come to Korea and become an English teacher. So that's what I decided to do. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Big uh, lawyer uh, to English teacher. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm still a lawyer. Um, so people always ask me, so you quit law? And I'm like, well, no, I didn't quit law. Let's just call it a sabbatical. So I'm just taking a little break. <laughs> and when I'm ready, I'll go back. <laughs> so you use the term sabbatical. So unlike some people, like uh, Francis and I, um, you plan on, your intentions are planning on going back to the States? That's my intention. Um, of course, all of my friends and family are like, you know, come back now, come back now. But I'm like, no, I'm not ready to go back. Um, you know, I just kind of needed that break uh, from, I guess, American life, American work life, because, you know, American work life can be very demanding. I do plan to go back. I can't honestly give you a definite date, <laughs> but as of now, February 2019 is when I'm going back. Hmm. Okay. okay. And how has the sabbatical been for you for, you know, like the mental health, like you stated, you know, living in the States, being a lawyer, you've hectic, a lot of time, a lot of energy, you know, whatever, whatever the reasons were that had to take you out of your element in order to kind of get away for a little while. How are you feeling about everything now, eight, nine months later? Um, I'm definitely in a happier space mentally. Um, you know, even though I still work kind of like, as I like to describe it, easy breezy lifestyle, <laughs> um, you know, I'm not pulled, you know, into court or, you know, back to a desk job or like I said, training, personal training clients, you know, pulled in three different directions. Like I know every day, this is what I'm going to do. It's going to end at this time. And then this is my free time afterwards. Um, so I definitely say just kind of having that stable balance, like work-life balance now, um, has definitely put me in a better place. Yeah, I could definitely relate to that, the hustle and bustle of the states. But the thing is, even moving to Japan, it, they have similar work philosophy. In fact, it's probably worse. And I was like, mm. 
not about that life. I, I just, I can't do no 10 hour day kind of thing and weekends. Like, cause the Japanese are very much, um, committed to, how do I say it? They, they like to, I don't want to say give back to their country, but they're very I'm trying to find the right word for it. Um, <laughs> passionate maybe passionate, but a duty. There we go. So they're very oh. dutiful to their country. And so, and to their employers and to the, to their coworkers and everything else. And that's great. But after I was actually talking to a student of mine and he had a 12 hour day and I was like, no, mm. no, 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 <laughs> not doing that. Yeah, I mean, they do play, they, they, they place a lot of demand on the children. Like even in Korea, some of the children, it depends on their uh, parents' financial uh, status, but you know, a lot of them come to regular school, you know, seven hours a day or whatever the school day is. And then a lot of them go to Hagwon or private academy after for even more schooling, you know, well into like 8 p.m., 9 p.m. Um, so, you know, I understand. I think it's just kind of the Asian culture or this part of Asia. Yeah. Like China, Korea, Japan. Um, they're very, I wouldn't say strict, but they hold education, I guess, in a higher standard. Oh, no, um, they're strict. At times, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, behaviorally, I can't say that they're strict because my no. kids are off the chain. No, oh, but really not. I just mean strict about education. They're very, yeah. very, very strict about education. And not to get all like morbid or whatever, but there is a high suicide rate in, in, in mental health um, problems in Asia in general, especially Korea, yeah. China, and Japan. They're like the top three. Yeah, it's it's crazy because when I came here, people were like, yeah, you do you ever realize that in any of the apartments there are no balconies? And I'm like, huh? They're like, yeah, apartments don't have balconies because the suicide rate is so high. Wow. Um, so, like, literally we have just, like, big windows <laughs> um, and maybe, like, a small banister, but nothing where you can physically, like, jump over or stand on um, just because that's what people were using so often. And a lot of the bridges, too, they have up, like, high wire fences to ensure that people aren't like jumping off yeah and I heard they also did that with the train stations right with the glass uh, partitions because yes. people were jumping in front of trains so they started putting glass partitions on the platforms yes. and I, crazy it's sad and it's all because of the standards that these families put on a child for their education and you know it, it really plays a part in how mental health is just so serious. It's a serious issue um, in almost everywhere in the world, yes. but yeah. Wow. Different culture. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, on a, on a lighter note, let me bring this because <laughs> I brought it up to the moment, I'm going to bring it into a lighter. So, right. you have this wonderful blog called Broke and Abroad, and that's your website where you've created for today's millennials, right? And anyone else that wants to try to travel for less. Can you give us a little background on how you got that started? So I was kind of a late bloomer when it comes to the traveling life. Um, I started actually like international traveling only in 2012, so six years ago, after I graduated college, after I graduated law school. Um, but, you know, once I... I guess was pushed into the life, I guess you can say, you know, I loved it. And I was like, I have to do this more often. But even though people are like, well, you're a lawyer, you can afford it. You know, I don't want to like spend my life savings to travel or to do something that I love. Um, so of course people may be aware there are travel sites out there where I found out about these sites. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I can travel to 
Africa for $400. You know, I can travel here for this price. And, you know, why not make other people aware of that? Um, because so often people were asking me, oh my gosh, you're always traveling. You know, how do you do it? How do you do it? I just don't have the money. It's so expensive. Um, you know, please teach me your ways. So I was like, what better way than to kind of start a blog um, to like really, really show people it's really not as expensive as you think it is. There are ways to get around, you know, the luxury of traveling as some people like to make it seem, you know, travel can be very inexpensive and you can do it on a budget. I love that because it's, uh, you, you don't realize it until you get to the other side and you start really just implementing everything that you've researched and learned, but it's so possible to actually travel if yes. you really just cut some things out that, aren't necessary and once you get here because usually it's the plane ticket that's the hardest but once you get here it's it's so doable but people just have this misconception you know just because they haven't done it yet kind of like why broken abroad became about um just to kind of dispel the myth that you know you have to break the bank to travel or to see the world you don't you know we're more than just travel we provide tips resources and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. So can you give our listeners your top favorite, let's say three sites for, because I get, I get the messages in my DMs all the time. I want to take vacation. And I'm just like, I am not a travel agent by any <laughs> means, you know what I mean? But people know that you've traveled so much, so they come to you with, you know, asking for advice. So can you give our listeners your top three travel sites that you'll use to find uh, cheaper deals to travel? Sure. Um, I would say number one is theflightdeal.com. So that's all like one long word, theflightdeal.com. Um, it's kind of one of those sites you have to literally check every day. Um, and if you see something that you like, you honestly have to be ready within like 24 to 48 hours to purchase. Cause these are like quick deals. They go up as soon as like the demand is there. Um, and I've caught a lot of really, 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 uh, awesome flight deals from there. I think my best one, and I brag about this all the time was the Christmas airfare back in 20. Was it 14? So it was New, oh. York to oh. New York to Dubai for like $200. That's insane. <laughs> they have the Dubai and they have the I didn't one even believe Australia. it at first. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. probably my number one. Um, number two would be uh, travelpirates.com. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I caught a really good two country deal on there. It was New York to Morocco, to Portugal for $400. Wow. Um, And then kind of just like a search engine that I prefer is Mamondo, Mm -hmm. uh, com. Um, I know, and well, I would say it's a a tie between Mamondo and Google flights. Um, Google flights is more accurate. Um, but sometimes Mamondo, you can catch like some really good deals. Um, they'll pull kind of like budget airlines if you're not afraid to travel budget airlines, especially on this side of the world in Asia. Um, but yeah, I would say a tie between Google flights and Momondo as far as search engines are concerned. 
I love it because you mentioned all the ones that are the top. And just so yeah. people know is you don't necessarily have to check the sites every day. They actually have notifications. So you can mm -hmm. actually give them your email and flight deals will come to you. But can I just uh, reiterate to y'all listeners out there that say you want to travel but really don't know how, when she says that you got to book that shit, in 24, 48 hours. <laughs> like, for real. <laughs> like, that's some real... And 48 hours sometimes doesn't even happen, especially if it comes through. Don't sit there going, well, hmm. let me find out if so-and-so can go exactly. and who should I get to go <laughs> Book your flight and don't worry about anybody else until after your shit is paid for and <laughs> your confirmation comes to your phone and says book. That's Girl, when you call you. anybody else. You better get this word on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> It's the like, truth. It the is. Truth. Like, I tell people, they're like, um, like, I'll, like, I used to post it a lot on, like, Facebook. Um, and sometimes I would post it on Broken Abroad. But, like, being over here now, I probably don't check the flight deal as much because a lot of them are from the States. Um, but uh, I would post it like, hey, all my people in New York, hop on this deal. You know, New York to wherever, like, $200. It's two weeks later. Hey, girl, is that deal still up? No, like, no, uh, no, it's not. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's yeah, like it was over by the time you seen it. It was over okay. just by the time you seen it. <laughs> I don't understand. And I mean, I guess um, not to push the conversation forward, but that also goes to like another point. Um, sometimes you kind of have to have like your emergency travel fund available. Yeah. Um, just to be ready for deals like that. And I understand, you know, People have bills. They may have families, children, you know, other financial demands. But if traveling is something that you're really trying to be serious about, you kind of have to make those sacrifices and kind of start putting the, the the funds aside. And it, like I said, it doesn't have to be this large amount of money. Like saving twenty dollars a week, you know, like you say, instead of you know going to get your favorite Starbucks, you. Know, you know, if it's something you're really passionate about, you know, it can be done. It, it really can be done. And you just kind of have to be ready um, to make the purchases. And once you get there, like you said, it's easy. The flight is the hardest part. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, and I tell people all the time, we all have vices, right? So... When people say they don't have something, I'm like, you know what? If you maybe went to happy hour less, right? And just put that $13 drink aside and put that $13 into a fund. Or if you unfortunately still smoke cigarettes, that habit is expensive. You're spending maybe at minimum $5,000 a year on purchasing cigarettes. Um, if you are, you know, into, I don't know, Brunching. anything clothes, br girl, I was a bruncher. We too. grew up in DC. So, I mean, not grew up, but we, we both lived in the DC area and it was oh, brunch yeah. every weekend. So that is the, a brunch city. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and the brunch and the brunch culture will cost you a mm. good 60 to a hundred dollars per weekend. Yeah, if you want the unlimited, unlimited girl, yeah. <laughs> you already know. And I've been there. So it might take you just a couple of weeks where you just like put, put that money aside. Instead of doing it, you'll have the money to travel. It's really not as expensive. I think for, for I tell people all the, all the time, accommodations is half your battle. So oh, if you yeah. find someone who lives in a country and they say to you, oh, come on over. You can stay with me. If you don't take that person's advice, uh -huh. advice, 
and take that free accommodations, you're a fool. I mean, seriously. Yeah, when because, I went to, uh, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Just saying that's half, oh. that's half your expenses right there. Yeah, when I um, recently did my three-country trip, actually when I went to Bangkok, I had a friend from college that she lives and works in Bangkok, so I definitely like hit her up like, hey, girl, I'm coming to Bangkok. Uh, do you mind? And she's like, oh, come on. So I was like, yes. You know, even though accommodations aren't that expensive in Bangkok, like that still saved me, you know, 80 to whatever amount of money for my three nights. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yes, like you just kind of have to find those resources um, and, you know, just take them as they come. <laughs> Tap into your network, start exactly. start building that travel network. So what has your transition been like in Korea? What's it like teaching over there? Well, I don't know if it's similar in Japan, but Korea is a very last minute society. Um, so what I mean by that is kind of as the American person or the foreigner, you're kind of the last to know anything. Um, and of course, they're last minute amongst themselves. So for me, it's even more last minute. Um, so for example, our school year just started. So I'm sitting in my office. I'm like, okay, you know, is anybody going to tell me my schedule? <laughs> like how, what classes am I teaching? What times? So we have like a liaison called a head teacher. So she's kind of like the person that you go to if you have issues and She's the middleman for everything. So I finally like pulled her aside and I'm like, hey, I need the school schedule. She's like, oh, you don't have it? I'm like, no, really? girl, I don't have it. <laughs> school starts on Friday and Thursday was a holiday. So I'm like, we're not going to be here tomorrow. Friday, I come back and it's school. So yeah, she's like, oh, I thought you had it. And I'm just like, who would have given it to me? <laughs> like, <laughs> Girl, that's Asia. You're, that's just Asia. Yeah, that's Asia. You're the you're the liaison here. You're supposed to do this stuff. So finally, she like scrambled to like print it out. But it's just little things like that that kind of I had to get used to. Um, and of course, initially the stairs, but it's not as bad now. Um, especially in Seoul, it's more of a mixed culture. But uh, in smaller cities, kind of like the one that I live in, which is an hour outside of Seoul, you know, there's not a large foreigner population indefinitely so of course I get the weird stares especially if I have braids or you know something like that so you know the older Korean ladies will kind of like stare you know I've had them actually grab a braid or two and kind of kind of figure mm-hmm. it out yeah mm-hmm. um so I'm just like okay but you know I kind of knew before I got here that it would happen so it wasn't as much of a shock for me um and I kind of just chalk it up to you know, they're curious. It's not, you know, I'm this like weird alien to them or anything. It's just, they literally haven't seen it and they kind of are just trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and yeah, so those are kind of been like the two biggest things for me. But other than that, it's been a, a pretty smooth transition overall. I mean, yeah, that's not Korea. It's just Asia in general. Yeah, it's yeah. funny because, um, <laughs> <clears throat> the thing that I can never get used to here in Thailand is that, <laughs> you know, the Asian... <laughs> what? I mean, no, seriously. The Asian culture is very... Uh, you do it one way. You do it this way, and that's just it, and there's no deviation from it. So let's say you're ordering something to eat, <laughs> and <laughs> you don't want the, oh, the yeah. 
the soft boiled egg and no. you just want maybe a little bit of that and not, you know, cause in, in America, we're used to ordering it at our way, right? We're just exactly. like, yeah, I want that, but not that and take that off and cook that well done. So you can't do that in Asia. Cause they're looking at you like, no, we don't do that. No. Right. Like, and, and they'll just shake their head. Like, no. And you're like, what do you mean? You can't, I can't have it without the egg Quickly and I can't have the whole it. language, the, the language barrier, especially in Korea. So, um, I went to McDonald's one morning cause I, I really wanted pancakes because pancakes, you know, in Korea, breakfast isn't a big thing. Well, Western breakfast. So the only way to like really get pancakes for me sometimes is McDonald's. So I went to McDonald's and, you know, back in the States, they have just the three hotcakes with a piece of sausage. So that's all I wanted was like three hotcakes <laughs> and a piece of sausage. So on the menu, they have hotcakes. So just plain hotcakes. That's one order. And then they have another order, which is the big breakfast, which is like, hotcakes, eggs, a hash brown, sausage, and an English muffin. So I'm like, okay, I don't want all that. So I was like, I just want hotcakes and a piece of sausage. No. So the girl's like, you want hotcakes and a sausage McMuffin? I'm like, no. I want hotcakes <laughs> and one, one piece of sausage. She's like, oh no, we can't do that. <laughs> I'm like, but you have <laughs> hotcakes and you have this other option with hotcakes, sausage, eggs, the hash brown and the English muffin. Like, can't you just ring it up with just the hot cakes? And no, no, sausage? no, you cannot. She's like, no, we don't have that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, just give me the big breakfast. Like, I just exactly. want the English right. muffin. And, the and you end up work. overspending because it's like, exactly. it's just, it's not worth the headache, the explanation, the any, it's just, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. So you just have to pick your battles. <laughs> You Pick do. them, it's you so shall. Funny, right? So we went to McDonald's, right? Let's all, let's all share a McDonald's story. So we went to a McDonald's story. We went to McDonald's and McDonald's in Thailand. I try to tell people all the time, yo, they have the best fried chicken. Oh, like real fried chicken. You know, have the, the McWings. Is that what you have? Or no, just regular they, fried chicken? No, no. They have the McWings, but they also oh. have like real fried chicken. Oh, nice. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. Every time I, you know, I can't say every time I go because I try not to walk up mm-hmm. in the Okay. Whatever. I'd be like, why are you going there, girl? But go ahead. <laughs> um, so we're in McDonald's and, you know, we're looking at the menu. And, of course, they got, like, the rice and the, you know, the chicken dishes and stuff. And they got the regular McDonald's meals and everything else. So, basically, I was like, you know what? I want to try their fried chicken. So I was like, can I get the three-piece chicken tenders right not the chicken mm-hmm. nuggets and then another one of my friends was like yo can i just have the the one piece leg right because she wants to try the leg so right. the lady's like and, and they're, they're infamous for just shaking their head and going okay right <laughs> when they shake when they shake their head and say okay they don't they don't understand, understand. they don't exactly. understand <laughs> and um so we're sitting at the table and the girl delivers the meals and she puts the plate down and the plate has rice two pieces of chicken, you know what I'm saying? And we're just like, we all the time, a whole, we, just, <laughs> we just wanted one piece of chicken. She was like, Oh, Oh no, I saw it. And I was just like, forget it. But then she, she just ate the whole thing. You know what I mean? But it's never, it's never what you think. I tell that never. I tell people all the time. Never. That's, that's Thailand. You order a meal and you're like, this is okay. It's not yeah. what I ordered, but okay. I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to eat it though. 
you have to. You have to. At that point, you waited for your food, and you're just like, you know what? You know what? It's yeah. okay. It's okay. Yeah, I'm going to lose this battle. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It's one of the things you can laugh about now, but it could be frustrating as all hell living here. And you're just like, you know what? Do I want to deal with this today? Because you already know. You already know. And you got to right. you got to learn incidental language. You got to, you know, um, one of my girlfriends who lives in Bangkok tells me all the time, she's like, Nubia, too many words, too many words, Nubia. <laughs> and I got to learn how to break down yeah. like this, this language where it doesn't sound right to me, but I right. can't use too many words because they they'll get lost they'll just be exactly. like what you say you know and it's almost like a deer in headlights <laughs> yeah that's what it's so weird like I mean I actually I taught myself how to read Korean so I can read Korean I know you know some basic words here and there so I can like communicate when I need to but yeah as far as like things I don't know trying to like break it down into English oh my gosh because then you're like so now I basically have to dumb myself down <laughs> To like ensure that this person understands me and you're like okay chicken no sausage yes like you're talking to like this broken like pattern of English and you're like what am I even saying but like that's the only way to like successfully like win those battles sometimes and <laughs> then you stories. find it and then it turns into a way of life because once you start breaking down the English because you do use too many words and then you find yourself not being able to have a just a regular ass conversation because right. you're in, you know, broken English mode. Yes. <laughs> well, it's it's funny, right? I work for VIP Kid online, so whenever I'm, I'm acting crazy, I'll talk to Francis in VIP Kid mode. I'm just like, I put I put my hand to my mouth, and I'm just like, do, and I'm like, do you understand? You know? And that's when I have to. That's when I have to flip her off real quick. And um, <laughs> just kidding. It's such a habit to do that because yeah, I do a lot of like pointing at my mouth for repeating and hand to the ear in class, like. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It does become a way of life. So um, one of my favorite blog posts of yours is the tips for the aspiring and frugal solo traveler. OK, I love it. I love it because it's so detailed. So let's walk through it a little bit, if you don't mind. Did you say something? Oh, yeah. No? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start with number one. So okay. hostels and guest houses are your best friends. Um, the background. I know people kind of have that fear when they hear the word hostel. They automatically think like this grungy sex house, prostitutes, <laughs> pimps. Sock. You know, yeah. Like just dirty and just ugh. Um, but obviously, especially here in Asia, and I would say even in Europe, like hostels now are amazing. Like they're modern. Um you know, and yeah, you kind of have to get used to sharing a room with someone, but you're not sharing a bed per se, but they're so cheap. I mean, you could really go to a hostel depending where you are for $10 a night. And so, especially if you're someone traveling alone, you know, most soloers or even backpackers as people call them, um, they tend to stay at hostels. So it's also a great way to meet other people who are just like you. Um, you can find somebody to maybe hang with if, if that's something you want to do. So you don't necessarily feel alone, even if they're not necessarily hanging with you while you're out exploring. At least when you come back to the hostel, you have someone to hang out with or have someone to converse with or whatever. Um, so you just don't totally feel like someone trapped in this like 
I'm all alone bubble um, during your your stay. So that's why I advise, you know, the solo traveler and of course the frugal solo traveler like myself to kind of, you know, look into hostels, step outside of your box of just hotels um, or even Airbnbs and, you know, go for the dorms or, you know, guest houses, which sometimes can also be a dorm style um, because it's going to save you a lot of money and it's a great way to meet new friends along the way. Yeah, and I let me piggyback that. on that too. Yeah, for real, because also hostels have private rooms. A lot of them do. So you don't have to stay in the six bed mixed dormitory with men and women all the time. There are plenty of those. But now they have these like boutique style hostels where you have a, you can have a private room, you can have an ensuite bathroom. There's so many different variations now. When yeah. I stayed in Bali, my room was three dollars and fifty cents a night USD. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's like, wait a minute. That beat my $10. <laughs> Let me go look up flights to Bali right now. <laughs> Girl, I will give you that recommendation because the hostel was great. It was like a family. You know, we there was a ton of us from all over the world. And there was once a week where the owner of the hostel would say, hey, do everybody want to go to the market? We would go to the market and we would purchase things for dinner and we would cook dinner together and sit literally at the dining room table, at the huge, you know, couches and everything. And we would all just chat and get to know each other. It was awesome. It made my stay so much more comfortable. Yeah, I stayed. You're definitely going to have to send me that. (laughs) (laughs) I stayed in a hostel when I went to uh, visit Kyoto uh, in Japan. Japan. And I stayed in this really cool hip hostel in the female dorm. I think it was like eight dorms. But the bed was super comfortable and I had my own little curtain and I had all my, like, I could put all my electronics and I had free storage for my bags. Sometimes, you know, you get charged to lock up your bags. Yeah. Free storage. And they had a little cafe in the bottom, like, great breakfast. I was just like, this is, and it was brand new. So I try to pick hostels that are, like, brand yeah. new. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, two to five years old, that sort of thing. And it was amazing. And I had, I was able to rent a bike from them and just, I just explored Kyoto all day long it wasn't more of a social I'm, I'm not like a huge because i'm an introvert and i like to just do yeah. my own thing but um, me too. <laughs> and so it wasn't like a social place uh that sort of thing but it was possible and i think when i went there wasn't that many people there so it was perfect for me and the i mean it's japan too so the bathrooms and the showers were amazing so i was i, I loved it and i think i paid for four nights i think i paid maybe fifty dollars for four yeah. nights, it's so which is cheap for, for Japan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So number two was pack comfortable shoes for walking. Yes. So um, especially if you're trying to save money, um, you know, I would say, you know, walk to your destinations as much as you can. So first and foremost, obviously, you have to pick a hostel or guest house. that's kind of in a central location. So that's important to ensure that you're able to walk. Um, everywhere. I've just found for me, uh, just kind of finding my own way transportation wise has been much easier. I know typically when I travel like with my friends, we're on girls trips or whatever like that, we tend to, you know, let's book a taxi, let's, you know, rent a car or like book a private car or whatever. And of course, you know, those type of things can add up. Um, although sometimes in Southeast Asia, like Grab can be super cheap or, you know, even Uber, but, you know, honestly walking, allows you to see more. Um, You know, if you're going from point A to point B, along the way you can be like, oh, you know, this place looks really cool. 
once I'm done, you know, at point B, you know, let me walk back and kind of see what this is. Whereas opposed to like, if you're in a taxi all day, you get in the taxi, you're probably not as focused on where you're going because you're just trusting the directions to the driver. Um, so most of the time when I'm in a taxi or Uber, I'm like in my phone or whatever, not really paying attention to my surroundings as opposed to if I'm actually physically walking somewhere. So, you know, get out there, walk. It's also great exercise if you don't have a gym in your hotel or hostel. So why not? <laughs> I love it. I walk everywhere. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yes. Now public transportation. Yes, please. I, now <laughs> I have to, I have to point this out. Uh, Chiang Mai has no public transportation. None. Okay. <laughs> well, that's why I kind of say like, if you're in a city that offers um, public transportation. So when I was in Bangkok, like I took B the BTS, you know, everywhere here in Korea, you know, I hop on the bus everywhere, the subway, if I'm going to like a different city. So public transportation can be your friend and it can be very cheap as well. I think in Kuala Lumpur, you know, a ride, a single ride was maybe 50 cents from point A to point B. Like it's so inexpensive. And for me, I always tend to do like research before I go. I know a lot of people, and of course they prefer someone else to just to do all the work for them. But especially as a solo traveler, I like to kind of loosely map out where I'm going. Um, so I'll kind of find a subway map or a public transportation map of the city that I'm going to, if it offers it, and I'll map out my points. So I'll know, okay, here in Bangkok, I need to take the blue line, if there's a blue line, um, to get to point A to point B. And I do that because, you know, I don't always get a SIM card when I go somewhere. So I'm relying on Wi-Fi. You may not always have Wi-Fi when you're transitioning from different points. So to have like a screenshot apps of wherever you're going, it kind of makes it a little bit easier. Um, so I just tell people, don't be afraid to take public transportation. You don't always have to do Uber. You don't always have to do taxis. Um, and if you really want to save money, that's kind of a better way to go. <laughs> totally agree with that. Cause, um, Japan has an amazing transportation system and the taxis are actually super expensive. So you don't want to take a taxi cost you yeah. $10 or $15 to go 10 minutes up the block. But although their, their subway transportation can get pricey too, just to travel, from here to Tokyo is about $100 one way on the train. So, um, but I agree, transportation, uh, public <laughs> transportation. It's great because for Japan, you can actually see all the landscape. So when you, you know, oh, are nice. in the subway, it's just like, oh, it's just breathtaking. It's beautiful. Nice. And when you're in Bangkok, the BTS is the only way to go because the Bangkok traffic is no joke. Right. <laughs> No joke. So if you get to Bangkok, get your behind on the BTS. And it's a it's a perfect ride. It's clean. They got TV and you watch these commercials. And Asian commercials are hilarious. They, they do are. the funny. <laughs> They're absolutely <laughs> hilarious. So all right. So number four, don't be afraid of street food in local restaurants. Yep. Yes. So again, going back to, you know, if you're traveling with your girls or like a group trip. You know, of course, people are like, well, I want to go to this restaurant, you know, this, this, and that. But as a solo traveler, again, you're trying to save money um, and you don't have other people there with you to kind of split costs on things. So all the financial responsibility is on you. Um, so I say, you know, don't be afraid to try the street food or kind of more local restaurants because they're so cheap. Um, 
I know, again, and I use Bangkok because, I don't know, it's just a city that kind of just has a little bit of everything. But when I went to Bangkok, um, I went to Khao San Road. So that's kind of like the backpackers area or whatever. And the street food is in abundance in, on Khao San Road. Like you could get Pad Thai cooking, you know, whipping out her eggs and noodles and everything else right there for 30 baht. So that's like less than a dollar USD or like right at a dollar, but depending on the exchange rate. Yeah, if you go sit down in a restaurant, the same Pad Thai is going to run you $5. Not to say that it's that expensive, but that's still $4 you could have saved just from, you know, going to the street food vendor as opposed to the restaurant. Um, and even like more local restaurants. So what I mean by local is not necessarily a commercial place and it doesn't have to be a chain per se, but just something that's kind of like this little hole in the wall, like, you know, probably what you typically wouldn't think to go sit down at. They also tend to have cheaper prices because more than likely it's run by like a family or, you know, something to that extent. So you're going to save so much more just by going that route. And you get to try different things that you wouldn't get to try in a restaurant, too. So. I agree. When we were in Hanoi, yeah. remember, they were like, uh, the grungier it is, the better <laughs> the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, and it is true. And luckily, we were able to link up with a friend of mine because she showed us a little bit different, you know, because Francis and I were going to the cafes and the stuff. And then she's like, yeah, let's go get something to eat. There's this place around the corner, da-da-da. And we show up in these these little-ass stools that were almost on the on the concrete. And, and it wasn't even like a restaurant. It was like a storefront. And then they had all these little tables and stuff leading all the way to the street. And they put these little pots in front of you, put some coal in there, put some aluminum foil, and they gave us raw food, and we cooked it right, right there. We had some beer. Yeah. And it was one of the best little just experiences. And we were just all kind of huddled around each other. And it was cool, you know. Had we walked by there without my friend, we probably would have continued to walk by there, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. And it was the food was amazing. It was good. And I mean, I live in Thailand, the land of street food. So I can't even, you know, I'm biased because if you don't come to Thailand and have street food, that's a problem. <laughs> but also, you also have to be mindful of, you know what I'm saying, who's cooking them. I, I pay attention to everything. I kind of look at the stalls. I look and see if some people keep them a little cleaner than others and things like that. You still got to pay attention. You just don't eat anything just because you're like, I'm in Thailand and I'm going to eat street food. No, pay attention to your surroundings right. and, and, and do it do it right. Because if you go to Bali thinking that shit, you're going to get Bali belly and you're going to get rid of it. So you got to end up in Bali belly. So, I'm serious. Oh, I know. I know. These countries that you'll get sick in a heartbeat. You'll drink the water and be like, oh my gosh. I mean, Mexico. I mean, let's look. Uh, yeah. You just have to be, you have to be vigilant about what you're putting into your body period. So moving on to number five, research the safety of a place. Now, before you start on this one, can I just say that most people, it's always the people that haven't been anywhere <laughs> that have so much to goddamn say. Oh my God. Oh my God. You're moving to a What? It's dangerous over there. Lord. Imagine Korea. So of course, before I came here, oh my God, but aren't they going to blow it up? And, oh, my God, they got Kim oh Jong-un. Goodness. I'm like, okay, first of all, <laughs> that's North Korea. No, no you so, don't. <laughs> first of all. Let's learn a little bit about geography. <laughs> so, 
you know, there's like this whole big wall almost like the DMZ, you know. Um, so I can't even really go to North Korea, honestly speaking. But, you know, definitely two different places. Um, but, yeah, like I tell people to do the research um, because a lot of the times, you know, you just automatically think third world country. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. Like, it's not is not true. Um as you just said, like Thailand is one of the safest places. Southeast Asia in general, a lot of these countries are some of the safest places you could ever go. Um, and it's amazing. Like, you know, you can walk around the streets, you know, at midnight alone. Now, of course, you always need to be, you know, aware of your surroundings. Like I tell people, don't get somewhere and just be naive. Like, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. You know, let me walk down the street drunk at 2 a.m. Like, no, still be aware and have a sense of your around surroundings and, you know, kind of have that same awareness you would even in your hometown where you feel comfortable. Um, but don't allow fear to stop you from actually going to the place. Um, because like you said, these places are safe. You know, a lot of them guns are illegal. Um, so we don't have kind of the same problems per se that you may run into in the United States or in South America or, you know, somewhere else where people are actually more prone to travel as opposed to the places they think, oh, going that far is not safe. So just do the research first and you'll you'll actually be, actually be pleasantly surprised that it's not that bad. 100% agree. True story. Okay, book tours and activities once you arrive. Yes. So I know, you know, I'm a planner. So when I first started traveling, I'm like, oh, my God, I need to have like my full itinerary completed before I even get there. Like, I need to know what I'm doing at 2.15 p.m. on the dot on Tuesday. You know, that kind of person, because I'm going to this foreign place. You know, I don't know what's going to happen when I get there. So let me just have everything organized. And so you're going through like these third party websites. Because obviously, if you're, you know, in a different country booking travel, you have to go through like third party websites for the most part. Or um, sometimes you can book directly with a company, but you're going to get whatever price they list. Or if it's a third party, whatever price they list, plus their personal service fees. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just found over time that, you know, once you get to the place that you are, you actually have the power to bargain and negotiate. Um, even with tours and things like that. So it's like, wait until you get there and you can kind of work out a deal on the side as opposed to what may be listed online. You can end up saving a lot more money. I second that. I've navigated my own tours and stuff. So yeah, totally. Yes. Oh yeah. And self-guided tours are free most of the time. So yeah. <laughs> that's an option as well. <laughs> and also you just don't know how you're going to feel when you get there. I mean, when I went to Cuba, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do salsa lessons. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I had all this, like you said, itinerary planned out. Girl, by the time you got through walking the Malacone and having this kind of food, I wanted to just go back to the Airbnb and put my <laughs> and feet up yeah. and lay down. So if I would have had the option to pay for stuff ahead of time or this and the other, I would have lost out on money or I would have had to force myself to do something I didn't really want to do at that time. Exactly. So. Leave yourself some flexibility in your um, in your vacations. Absolutely, definitely. So, last one: invest in a backpack. 
Yes. So backpacks are my friends. Um, and sadly, my handy dandy trusty backpack that has been with me for several years. I actually just ripped it this past week. So oh, I'm like no. mourning. I'm in mourning right oh, now. No. Oh, I- <laughs> All right, into the backpack, girl. Right, it was it was it was my fave. But um, backpacks, especially for a woman, um, it's just a lot easier to to manage to carry um, and to just have in general um, for several reasons. So, uh, one, depending on the duration of your trip, it can serve as your luggage. (laughs) Um, Two, um, just when you're out and about exploring, um, it allows you just to keep more on you as opposed to a purse or whatever like especially abroad as a woman you're obviously not going to walk around well depending on who you are you might who you are you might but i'm not going to walk around with like my louis speedy bag i mean i don't have one but i'm not going to walk around with a louis speedy bag you know in bangkok or chiang mai or you know wherever you know because it's just not that kind of place um, so the most you'll probably carry as far as a woman is like a crossbody, And at that point, it's probably something super small. So you're going to end up being forced to carry things in your hand. Um, so I just say like a backpack allows you to carry more things, especially if you're at the markets and you're picking up little trinkets or souvenirs, you can put it in your backpack and keep going and your hands are still free. You know, if you're into photography, you can kind of keep some of your lenses, your batteries, you know, the smaller uh, selfie sticks and things like that in your backpack. So that backpack just kind of allows you kind of a stress-free travel, I guess you can say, um, and a, a more convenient travel. So, yeah. I second that. No, I, I agree. I, I carry my backpack everywhere. In fact, I'm even thinking of investing in a fanny pack. Yep. Yes, fanny pack. <laughs> yep. So it it does help. It does. It help. makes a huge difference, man. And it's it's good because you know you could cover it up and you know avoid anybody that's trying to like maybe reach for your stuff or your bag or whatever. So yeah. I'm all for and it. Then, and then of course it also goes back to you know researching your surroundings. So some places you'll be fine just carrying your backpack as normal. Um, but of course some places like I went to Morocco and they'll tell you like really fast like always wear your backpack to the front. So you know it's it's easier to carry a backpack that way um so i would just say you know a backpack is just like for safety reasons for convenience um just kind of all around all the above they're just great to have yeah for sure for sure and also to have um certain backpacks for certain things i I like my little day packs you know what i mean where it's just my little wallet my sunglasses, my EpiPen, you know, so it's, it's a smaller pack. It's not a full backpack, but I know I could just, it's either a crossbody, like you said, or I have one that actually just goes on my back and I just jump on my scooter and I go. And it's so convenient to have um, something that fits enough, so Nubia, but not too much. So Nubia, let me ask you, how is that North Face um, day pack that you got um, in Vietnam? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So let me just tell y'all this little backstory real quick. Okay. Real quick. Thank you, Francis. Thank you for throwing me on the spot. So Francis and I were in Hoi An and I found this beautiful little North face, which probably is face North. We're going to, we're going to claim it as North face. And it was very inexpensive and they had an all black one. It's a crossbody bag. 
And I was like, oh, Francis, check this out. Because I kept saying to her, you know, you need to get another bag or whatever. So she bought one as well. Well, I wore mine immediately after purchasing it. And I just put it on my body and everything else. This one kept hers in her bag because she had a messenger bag on. So anyway, make a long story short. So we're leaving Hoi Inn and we jump on the motorbike. And at this point, we were taking turns on who's going to, you know, drive. So she's looking yeah. at me like, it's your turn to drive. I'm like, okay. So we clipped the bag to the little handle on the motorbike uh -huh. and we jump on and we go. Well, Nubia likes to drive a little faster than normal. Faster than and me. And I'm a speed demon, but damn, she was flying. <laughs> and what happened to my bag, to, Nubia? When we got to the destination, <laughs> the, the, the bag fell along the way. So we were oh. like, the poor bag is laying in the street in Hoi Inn and some little and my fruit bag and the fruit she bought mango too yeah so yeah anyway and it, yeah I blame she's, Nubia. she's so salty about it she's salty about it but you know what guys Nubia is all about sharing is caring so you know you're welcome to borrow the bag whenever you like Francis you heard that, <laughs> you heard that on Chronicle Chronicle the Broad she's like, finally Nubia. making amends y'all <laughs> so um no, those tips are great. And I think everybody needs to understand that, you know, there's so many more that you can share, but these are basic things that a lot of people just don't pay attention to or don't understand can really make your trip a lot better if you just do a little bit of research exactly. um, and understand what you're getting yourself into. I tell people all the time, I, I, the pictures are really pretty. Don't get me wrong. The pictures of you in the desert with this nice flowy dress and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, those people pack that shit just for that photo. This okay. is not an average <laughs> day to day person who lives abroad. We do not go into these places with heels. I don't even think I own a pair of heels anymore. I definitely I don't. I think I have one little <laughs> pair and I got them like from H&M because I was going to a party and I was like, oh snap, I don't have any heels in Korea. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you, you realize you're so much more of a minimalist mm -hmm. and you don't require as much. You don't need as much when you live abroad. Um, and nobody's walking. I don't know about Korea sidewalks, but the sidewalks in Thailand, you'll break a you'll break a toe, an ankle, a foot, trying yeah. to walk in heels around these these Same parts. Here. Not happening. I mean, the Korean women they do it. They do it now. It could be ten degrees outside and snowing, and you are gonna see Mama walking down the street in her skirt and her heels. But as for me and my house, <laughs> we going out in them snow boots <laughs> and all the layers <laughs> and everything else. Like I just. I can't do it, but the sidewalks here are so uneven. Like, I have twisted my ankle many times. <laughs> like, I'm shocked I haven't broken my ankle at this point. And I'm like, when are y'all going to fix these raggedy-ass sidewalks? It's ridiculous. But, yeah, it's it's definitely not a place, personally, for me to be, like, on this fashionable, like, journey or whatever. Like, I was obviously more fashionable in the States. Like, here, like you say, minimalist jeans and sweaters in the winter, jeans and t-shirts and sandals in the summer like yep. simple as that yeah here for it so Deanna uh, tell us what have you learned about yourself on this journey um I've learned that you know when I just kind of do the things that make me happy life is so much better so just a really quick backstory on me I've always lived my life to like please others and for the uh, approval of others, so to say. So kind of like all of my accolades through life have kind of been because I was looking for some type of approval from someone else or to prove a point 
to someone else. Um, and so finally, when I made the decision just to be like, you know what, I'm tired of doing that. It's time to live life for Deanna. Let me go, you know, do this journey of living abroad. Like I can just tell, like, I'm just a lot happier. And, you know, of course people are still, you know, when are you coming home? We miss you. We want you here. We want you here. But I'm like, well, this isn't about you anymore. You know, this is my journey at this point. You know, I'm 33, um, you know, still single, no children, but I just, I'm just kind of like in a better space (laughs) now. Um, again, easy breezy. And I know it's almost cliche or kind of, I don't know what the word, but you know, it it really is like an easy breezy lifestyle. Um, I go in and literally play with cute Korean kids (laughs) every day. Um, I mean, they're bad, but they're cute. (laughs) So it makes up for it. And then like after that, like I'm free to explore a country that I otherwise would never have seen. So it's just, it's really been an awesome journey. (laughs) No, I I second that. I think, you know, one of the biggest regrets of the dying is living their lives for other people and um, there's no sequels. So live your best life that you define, however you define it to be. Yeah. So like kind of one of my mantras is, you know, God gave me one life. I make the most of it. Uh, So that's what it's all about. I love it. I love it. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list, and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. So what advice would you give to someone who is thinking about doing exactly what what you've done? Simply do it. Just do it. Um, You know, don't wait for tomorrow. Like, live today. You know, I know so many people, even when I made the decision, they're always messaging me like, oh, my gosh, I wish I could do what you did. And I'm like, you can. You can. Like, I left a seven-year career, or excuse me, I took a sabbatical from a seven-year career, you know, to just do it, to just finally do something that I ultimately wanted to do. Um, and obviously the process wasn't that hard. Um, there's not like these super demanding requirements to come teach abroad. You know, if you just go with the right company or right recruiter, you'll be fine. Um, but simply just do it. Just go for it. Solid advice, Deanna. So yes, where could people find you on uh, social media? If you'd like to share your social media handles. Definitely. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is at D Taylor, D T A Y L O R dot N C. Um, so that's my Instagram and Facebook, just Deanna Taylor, uh, as well as you can always catch me blogging on www.broke-and-abroad.com. Love it. So that's all we got for you today, folks. Thank you, Deanna, for being a part of the show and sharing your experience and amazing tips on how to uh, travel frugally and safely. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. 
Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.